Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp, as always, joined by Will Murden. How are you going tonight, Will? I'm good, man. I'm really good. Uh, loving life here. Uh, before we kick things off, how's, how's Father Life? Got any nuggets for us? What's happening? Uh, not nuggets, mate. It's all still very milky at the moment. Uh, it's it's just a del- no. It's going okay. Like three weeks in or whatever, or two and a half weeks in, it is fine at the moment. Sleep deprivation is a real thing, uh, but I feel like I'm waiting for the storm to come. I I, I know like leaving the house is effed now. Like that just becomes such a mission. It used to be like, yep, keys, phone, wallet, Sonny's mask. Now like that was an annoying thing to remember. Like the mask. Now I've got to remember like nappies and wipes and like what happens when he shits himself or throws up on me or you like need that, that go becomes bag. problematic but yeah yeah, yeah absolutely need yeah that got go that bag. happening yeah but, but yeah, you get sure. a, like you get a board in that, but you know it's just a it's a thing i don't know I, there's there's a there's what? an out like you've got a timeout right so you can be late to stuff and then you just be like i've got i'm with child so don't worry about it yeah yeah but like I don't. No one's inviting us to stuff, so that's not so much of an issue at the moment. Um, yeah, no, nothing really that special. I'm so mad. I wish I had something humorous, a funny like quip or something, but I don't. I've got nothing. I got nothing. Oh, you don't have to apologize to me. To it's, it's, it's the listeners that are, are sitting here going, "What the? F- what have we got ourselves into again?" Yeah, this is this is a shit fight. All right, um, let's get into it then because we've got a massive, massive show. This is the week five preview. Before we get started, want to make a big mention to our sponsors, Burnley Brewing. Uh, treating myself to a Burnley Brewing tonight, actually, and just really enjoying um, their their draft, which is a nice little drop. Look, so, uh, do, do you think... Do you think you can continue on for a minute by yourself here and I'm going to head to the fridge and I'm going to get myself one. So you keep doing this and, and I'm going to go sort this because it looks good. Jesus it looks Christ. really okay. good. This, <laughs> all right, you go and sort yourself out. Uh, so while Will, go, I can say anything at this point, while Will goes and sorts himself out uh, a drink from our sponsors at Burnley Brewing, Make sure you do head across to the Vault Studio Podcast Network as well. Hit up JA and the guys over there for all their quality content that they are bringing out. Um, Make sure you hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at CFB Down Under. Leave us a five-star review. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast as well on your pod capture of or pod capture software of choice would be great um all those things really do help the show and allow us uh to continue to do this and and enjoy it so treating yourself to a summer ale there william yes i've grabbed the summer ale i know it's not summer technically but uh this is what i found in the fridge so exciting (laughs) delicious all right it's gonna be a good show and i feel great about it because it is week five and it is apparently they've decided that, you know what, let's go week five as being one of the biggest weeks of the year in terms of scheduling. I know scheduling's just fallen that way in terms of all these ranked matchups, but it feels like the season starts now. We're into conference play. So that is what we're going to be talking about today. Any, again, zoomed out thoughts from you, Will, on this week five slate? No, I mean, it's just that it's it's super. Like, you look through it, and there are so many ranked matchups. There's so many other intriguing ones that might not be two ranked teams, but you could certainly see things getting a bit crazy here. And 
it, it's been the theme of the year so far. So to see this, it's, it's, it's not the weekend you want to take off. I know it's a long weekend coming up for most of us here in Australia. If you're, if you're heading away and you maybe don't have access to this, that's unlucky because this is going to be a fucking cracker and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I don't know, like, sleep debt, again, we mentioned the sleep deprivation. One thirty is when there's some quality games on. I'll probably try and have a crack at it, but there are, there's an, like, the LSU-Auburn game doesn't start till 11.30 South Australian time, so 11 o'clock in the Eastern States. Man, that like, that game's good as well. You could put in a solid 15 hours and get quality the whole way through. There is no down time slot here uh, where you've got to, you know, maybe a three or four hour window where you can go and you know go do the shopping or spend some time with the family or go get outside and go for a run and do something more healthy that really isn't on the cards this week which is dangerous yeah let's even catch up on some sleep like it's nice to kind of get up early like maybe i'll catch a couple (laughs) of hours shut eye here you just don't have that opportunity so that's what we get the the sunday for i suppose get up watch the nfl and then you can uh, sorry the monday uh, with the long weekend, sleep it all off after that. It uh, doesn't mean anything to me. I'm on holidays. so. Uh, all right. We also have an, a whole bunch of outside of all these awesome previews. So I don't want to hang around too long. We've got our championship draft that we need to get to. We've got all the picks for the week as well. So I'm coming in hot this week because I'm fucking on fire at the moment. Um, we've got the Vault Studios Kiss of Death as well. I haven't actually looked had a look to see if that particular documento has been updated yeah everyone but you yours in william everyone but you oh what am i going to go with you know what i'm going to let i don't do i want you to pick it i'm on a bit of a heater here you know what i'm going to go back to the well i'm going back to the well okay i'd I'd appreciate it if you pick baylor that'd be really cool but um whatever (laughs) mate that that ain't happening uh, some interesting picks here of which I disagree with all of them, actually. And we're going to get to that, so that'll be interesting. Uh, okay, before we start even the game previews, I just wanted to get into a tiny, tiny bit of news. And I'm going to fade this very quickly because... A, we don't have the licensing for it, but B, uh, this is kind of a bit of a timeline around this 12-team playoff. So there was a meeting that occurred between all the uh, FBS commissioners or FBS conference commissioners, of which there are 10. There's a five group of five, five power five. They met this week and discussed this 12-team playoff. Before I do that, I just wanted to have a quick chat about the timeline of how things worked out. There's not going to be a lot of analysis here. It's just kind of more like a, an order of how things are working and how they have developed at this stage. And please, at any stage here, we'll jump in. So late last year or last year, um, a lot of, there was a lot of discussion around this 12-team this playoff and, and a subcommittee originally was created that included Greg Sankey. He's the commissioner of the SEC. Bob Bowlesby, your boy uh, from the Big 12. The Notre Dame athletic director, which was a random one. And Craig Thompson from the Mountain West. And they sort of decided that, or NCAA and football, and that pr- created that committee because they believed that that group could come up with some ideas about how to progress this four-team playoff, which was always felt like a stepping stone. Uh, The four-team playoff has been signed, sealed, delivered until 2023 or 2024. Um, So, you know, there was always potential to grow and develop. 
anyway, the 12-team proposition was made and it was received with kind of general support. We spoke about it earlier. I'm not going to go into the depths of the structure of it. And if there wasn't general support, it was kind of more around this resignation of the fact that college football is transitioning into something like this, whether you like it or not. And it's just kind of a money spinner for a sport that's becoming less amateur and far more professional. So that was the way this kind of 12-team playoff was feeling at that point. Then Oklahoma and Texas made their announcement that they're jumping ship from the Big 12. And again, that only happened, what, a month and a half ago? I don't really know about the time. A little bit, yeah, about, about, six, about six weeks ago, I'd say. A couple uh, weeks before the season kicked off. So, and that then created, and that move there has really kind of set this thing into a spin because it created this wave of expansion around conferences, both real and rumored. Obviously, the Big 12 has picked up teams from um, the, all over the the country, but pretty much exclusively the American uh, outside of BYU. BYU? Yeah, they're in, aren't they? Um, So, and then, of course, you had this whatever the ACC Big 10 slash Pac-12 created, and there was all this kind of like feeling each other it felt like an episode of survivor you know when they go to like the the vote and there's people like trying to sort out who they're going to vote for and there's backstabbing and stuff all over the place that's what college football felt like as a result of this oklahoma texas thing from there on tuesday and this is where we get to now is on tuesday the commissioners from those 10 uh, fbs conferences were supposed to meet and effectively make a decision on this 12-team playoff, whether under the current proposition or proposal that they would go ahead with it. This meeting went from an in-person meeting downgraded to a Zoom meeting, and that apparently didn't go well. Different people were wanting different things all over the place, bowl games, TV revenue, number of conference games if we were going to go to a 12-team playoff, the first round buyers, second round home games, third round neutral sites, all these different things around what were the priorities and different conferences have got different priorities in that. Um, The other thing that they're contending with at the moment is the fact that these conferences may disappear in their entirety and certainly not look the same as what they currently are in this current state. So making a vote on this became really, really difficult. Where we're to now is that this expansion, this 12-team playoff as the proposal stands is currently in incredible jeopardy of actually being pushed ahead. One of the statements that has come out is that it is on life support, uh, that this under this agreement, this 12-team playoff will not go ahead under its current format. Uh, having said that, there are other reports saying playoff expansion is inevitable. So it sounds like it's going to happen, but the current proposal has not been received well and there's clearly a lot of things to iron out. Yeah, and I'm really curious as to, as to how much of that is uh, not received well genuinely because they don't like the proposal versus they don't like each other at the moment. And it feels a lot more like the latter where there's a lot of posturing, a lot of angst about what the SEC is trying to do. And I think everyone else is is kind of trying to rebut that and, and playing whatever cards they can. And... and putting a harm in this whilst it it hurts everyone also does the sec so i I think that's probably part of it ultimately you and i both know this is about money there's going to be more money in a 12 team playoff so that's what we're going to get yeah for sure and i I 100 agree and i think like when it comes to something like this appeasing 10 conferences people need to make sacrifices and probably need to negotiate a little bit and that clearly was just 
they're not in the headset at the current this current juncture to be doing that um so that's where they're at and we will continue under the 14 model for the time being obviously um and there's still room to move there's still like it's still going to be next year will be 14 there is the potential to go 2023 as a 14 or a an expanded playoff so we'll see how this develops or continues to develop all right enough on that let's get to our previews number let's and let's start early time slot the probably the biggest game of the week number eight arkansas head to athens to take on the number two team in the country in georgia this is the earliest kick and i think i'm getting to a point i think i'm getting to a point that i'm with you here on georgia for me it feels like the first time since um Mark Richt has left and Kirby Smart has taken over, that Georgia feel fully legitimate to me. I know you're probably going to throw back the national championship game that they made, but this one feels a little bit different to me. This feels like they can actually go and win this one. On the Arkansas side, both Trey Burks and KJ Jefferson should, and I quote here, should be okay to play, but they are sore. And that's come from Sam Pittman, the Arkansas head coach. But if the Pigs have any chance of winning this game, they need both of those guys to be up and about and firing against the number one defense in the country because Georgia are giving up only 3.1 yards per play on defense, which is incredibly stout. Can Arkansas's offense make enough plays in this one, Will? Well, I I think probably not. I mean, I I have no question marks over Georgia's defense. They have a number of pros there and, and they're really good. Arkansas, there are some questions offensively. They had to get a couple of big chunk plays that they executed really well, but they relied on that to get the win against Texas A&M, and that's a dangerous game if you're relying on that to get the win. So absolutely, they they can produce that. They have the talent with Traylon Burks to potentially pull something out, but it doesn't feel like the smart play there. Georgia's defense is elite. They're going to be really good again. The big question mark for me in this one is how much has Georgia's offense taken a step forward? We haven't seen them play a, a no. decent team since that Clemson matchup, but they have been humming. They've been putting up 60 points. They, they've, been, they, they've been whacking the, the lower teams, and that can really help a confidence. That, that can help a team develop up. This is a different beast. This Arkansas defense is legit. We've seen that. This is a top 10 matchup between these two programs. But that, for me, is, is the big one. Can Georgia's offense show that they've taken a step forward? And if that is the case, they are genuinely a national title contender. I mean, they're number two at the moment. They obviously are. But it, it's the offense that we're all thinking could hold them back. If they can show that against a talented team like Arkansas, there's there's potentially nothing stopping these guys in Alabama as being the clear-cut one and two in the country. Yeah, you mentioned um, some of those teams they've played. Vandy, obviously, are just terrible at the moment. South Carolina are not that great. UAB don't have a great defense either. The one defense they did play against, they didn't score an offensive touchdown. Yes, it's week one. They're going to have improved at this point. So um, that is, you know, I'm still a wait and see on Georgia's offense. If they look solid in this one, I 100% agree with you. I believe that they can go and become a true legitimate challenger to the Crimson Tide. I think on the Arkansas side of things, 
you're not going to be able to play. You're, not, you're going to have to fill up the box a little bit more than what they did against Texas A&M. They're going to have to bring people down onto the line of scrimmage because Georgia are going to look to run the ball a little bit more. They're going to be far more balanced. They're not going to get behind the sticks as much, and Zamir White's going to get a lot of work, I would think. And then they'll be able to use um, JT Daniels as as the effective kind of deep ball threat um, come play action guy, which is where he really excels. And and he can be a little bit street time, uh, but if they keep that running game going with Zamir White, then you feel like Georgia will be able to control this one. Now, they're heavy favorites in this. And I also think there's this letdown element with Arkansas here, and it's in Athens. So if I'm picking this game, and I'm I'm looking against the spread here, but everyone wants to see this, not everyone wants to see this upset, but a lot of people are thinking upset-minded. They're like, yeah, they went and beat Texas A&M. That was a big game. They're going to go and, and double down here against Georgia. I don't think so. 18, I think it's 18 points, 18 and a half points at the moment. I'm taking them. I think Georgia, you're going to get that letdown element. I don't think Arkansas, you know, they're banged up offensively with KJ Jefferson and Traylon Burks. Uh, It's going to be tough, tough going for Arkansas to keep this within that 18 points, I think. Which is interesting. Like For that to be the case, you are really relying on Georgia's offense to start clicking because pre- like previously 24 points has been difficult for them to score. And, and you've kind of commented on that. So the fact that you're backing them in to, to get this eight and a half is that Georgia's offense is going to do something. They are going to score 30 points uh, in order to cover that. I think you're right, though. Like You look at this line, and it looks like a massive number. Two top 10 teams, number two, number eight. Uh, a team that's just come off a massive victory. And then 18 and a half points, that's massive. But at the same time... It is big. I tend to lean that way too. There's obviously a bit going on with Arkansas and they're going to be incredibly drained after that one. So I'm with you. And this is effectively a second road game. Two road games in a row, um, never easy as well. And Arkansas's defense is good. Are they good enough though? Like, yes, we saw them put a good outing out last week, but let's calm down on Texas A&M's offense being like a juggernaut here. Um, they went away from their own their single weapon, really, and that was um, Isaiah Spiller. The only other one they've got is uh, Anaya Smith, and he couldn't get his hands on the ball at all. So um, I say that, Wiedemeyer's there as well. But I, I just, yeah, I, I think Georgia probably cover this one up pretty comfortably. As we head to 5 o'clock in the morning, number seven, Cincinnati take on number eight Notre Dame. Now, while the AP poll puts these teams side by side, the SP Plus believes that Cincy is the far better team. I don't have a great read on this game at all. I think they're relatively evenly matched. So I'm going to go to you, Will, on this one. What are your thoughts on Cincinnati and Notre Dame? I think this is going to be a cracking matchup. I'm really excited for this one. So this is a Cincinnati program that I've been keen to see what they can do. And, and this was always the match. Of course match. you have. Course but but you this have. is always the match on their schedule that this was the big primetime game that they're going to get. This is their best audition to show that they are a legitimate program because they just don't have any other real class matchups that they're going to have to come up against. This They're not going to be playing another top 10 team uh, until they get to potentially the playoff or a bowl game. And, and they want to be in that playoff conversation. So not only do they need to win this, they need to win it well uh, and, and put on some style mm. points to, to really flex on that. 
But it's a tough spot. Like, they're on the road against a Notre Dame team that's probably better than, at least performing better than we all expected. Um, so, it's... Are I they, think it's, <laughs> like, well, well, they're undefeated. And, and, I and, mean, take... And, and I know... You, I get that, but and I know you can't like, and I, I generally hate when people do this. Like, oh, if you take if you take these two plays away, he's not a very good quarterback. It's like, yeah, but he made the two plays. So what I'm going to do is say, take Notre Dame's fourth quarter out last week. They haven't looked great the whole way up until that point. Overtime against Florida State, they were struggling against Toledo. Purdue played them tight until the last two or three minutes. Cincinnati are far more talented and a better coach than some of those teams. Um, I don't know. Yeah, uh, look, Wisconsin were favourites in that matchup. So so there's a lot of confidence that can be taken out of that game there. And this Notre Dame team is going to be a big challenge for them. But as I was mentioning, this is Cincinnati's target. Like, this has been the one that they've been working towards in, in a... In a racing sense, like you're, this is the one that they've been preparing for. They've they've had their their trials. They've, they've had the lead up races. This is the one that they're getting after. And I think on the back of that, we're going to see them put in a really good performance. And I expect them to get the win. They're two and a half point favourites, which is uh, just a, a really great ref- reflection of where this program's at. That they on the road against the Notre Dame team ranked in the top ten and are two and a half point favourites. Fantastic! I hope for their sake that they can continue this run and and put in a really good performance. And it just adds to that chaos element because then they all of a sudden become a, a genuine contender for the playoff that we just haven't seen from a, a non Power Five program. But where is it? Like you say, yes, you think they can win, but why and where? Because I look at the quarterbacks here Desmond Ritter and Jack Cohn and Desmond Ritter's only thrown 83 passes on the year uh, now that's not a whole heap at this point uh, he's he's not he hasn't set the world on fire by any means uh, he's looked up and downish at times like he's not exactly killing it at the moment Jerome Ford's been solid in the backfield for them and he's giving them something but you know, six touchdowns on the ground for him is is really really solid. But where did, where's the matchup for them that you like? Because I would think that that Notre Dame run defense is going to be pretty good. You're forcing Desmond Ritter to to win the game with his arm, or certainly with his dual threatish that leans to his arm um, style of play. And I don't know if that's a winning formula on the road for them. Um, I, I don't I don't know what the matchup is that you like. That's what I want to hear. I'm not necessarily thinking he needs to win it with his arm because he is a dual threat guy. He he does bring that to the table. So I, I think he's going to be able to test that Notre Dame defense with his ability to hold on to it. As you mentioned, Jerome Ford's been fantastic for them this year. Yes, they may be able to shut that down. They may be able to key on that. But Des Ritter is getting some genuine NFL hype off of the back of last season and, and what we're starting to see from him this year. So I think he's there. But it's also that they're supported by a fantastic defense. Luke Fickle, defensive-minded coach, has done a fantastic job there. And the guys that they have playing there are absolutely fantastic. They're, they're, 
there's plenty of experience. They know exactly what they're doing and they're executing at a really high level at the moment. So he doesn't have to play out of his skin for them to pull off an upset here. They're coming in as favorites because their defense is going to be really good. Notre Dame are going to struggle to score against it. Jack Cohn's going to be up against it. And then Des Ritter can make some plays to, to, and to kind of do what he needs to do to win this game. So I don't think it needs to be a special performance from anyone there. I just like the overall matchups on both sides of the ball to, to fancy the Bearcats here. I, um, I think it's an interesting one because, like I said, the SP Plus has seen some discrepancy between the two teams, but I actually think they're almost like strange bedfellows in lots of ways. They're very similar. Both got big-armed quarterbacks, big bodies um, that have a few like consistency issues and don't kind of set the world on fire with electric gameplay. Des Ritter probably more can do that um, as opposed to Jack Cohn, but the footwork is inconsistent. Reading the field and accuracy are not always perfect. So I think you probably... But I don't think this game becomes that like big, I know stereotypically, big 10 defensive slugfest. I think it becomes this weird game. And I'm picking a weird game here. I think a crazy finish, maybe higher scoring than people think. I don't know where the over-under sits on this, but could be 30... 34 30 something like that and i'm gonna root for just a strange finish in this one um i don't know why i just that that's where i'm leaning because i don't have a great take on it and i think the quarterbacks are gonna do weird stuff there could be defensive scores um i I don't know that's where i'm seeing it play out and i'm pulling for a comprehensive cincinnati showing Give me something weird. I need weird. Um, This one probably won't be weird, although people will hope for it, and that is number 12, Ole Miss, at number one, Alabama. Now, Alabama in the past has had some issues in back-to-back years with the same teams. So if you go back to Manziel, Johnny Manziel's Texas A&M teams, you go back to Ole Miss in 2014, 2015, 2016, when they had an electric quarterback and a solid defense, um, you know, Alabama had some trouble with them. And on top of that, Saban have had Saban's teams have had trouble with quarterbacks that can move around a little bit. Now, every team has troubles with those quarterbacks that can move around a little bit. They pose a whole bunch of different matchup nightmares. Now, Matt Corral is that guy. He is a confident, aggressive with ball in hand, can make plays both on the ground and through the air. Um, he's doing a fantastic job in terms of running his offense now. He's got a fantastic play caller at the helm. Uh, and to like sweeten the pot there a little bit for Ole Miss, Brian Robinson is banged up as well and may miss this game for Alabama in the, as a running back. So whilst Ole Miss's defense is not that great, things are kind of set up almost as good as they can for this Ole Miss team in 2021. Do they have a legitimate shot at this, or is Alabama's defense going to be too good? Look, I think they've got a legitimate shot. Uh, Ole Miss are coming off of a week off beforehand, so they've had two weeks to prepare for this one. And Lane Kiffin is really coming into his own. Like He's obviously an experienced coach. He's had that before, but I think he's only getting better. And his time with Alabama would have opened some insights there. I think he's going to be coming... with everything they're going to throw the kitchen sink at this Alabama team and they've got some interesting playmakers to make some stuff happen for them so there's probably enough there for this to be really interesting and and for them to kind of make things uh 
tight potentially to a point, but I'm still back in Alabama, right? Like the, the fact that this is in Tuscaloosa, it's going to be hostile there. The locals are going to be worked up for it. That enough is is enough is enough for me to watch Alabama kind of get away in this one in the end. If it were in Oxford, I think this would be a lot closer, obviously, and I think there'd be more question marks around it. But Bryce Young hasn't shown us anything to doubt him yet. If anything, has been the opposite. He's come in and he's looked really cool, really calm, really collected complete control of everything that he's doing and executing as he needs to. So on the back of that, yes, we know Ole Miss can put up points. Do we think that they can hold up this uh, Alabama team? Probably yeah, not. That, yeah. And and, yeah. and that, like, I, I just don't think that this is going to be the shootout that they're hoping for that they can kind of trade shots with because they're going to have some, some slip-ups against a really, really good defensive team. They're going to get behind the sticks when that uh, defensive front causes some havoc, creates a sack, whatever it is. And then all it takes is one or two of those sorts of drives and they could be over with. So for me, it's Alabama here quite clearly. Um, but it, it could potentially be an interesting one, especially with the season that we've had. Yeah, Ole Miss is like 58th in total defense on the year, which is probably better than we thought they would be. Alabama's 27th in scoring defense, so teams are probably putting up a few more points against them than you'd expect at 17.5 points a game. But I think if Ole Miss have a shot in this one, it has to be a shootout. I don't think there's any other way that this game can go. Um, you need Matt Corral to get off the leash and get in that same mood that he got in last year uh, against Alabama. And then keep balance with Jerry and Ely. Um, keep Dontario Drummond involved in the game. 20 receptions and four touchdowns on the year already. So he's off to a flying start as well. So there's certainly got some playmakers on the outside, but... You need this to go perfectly on the offensive side of the of the ball for Ole Miss to, to have any kind of shot um, of, of coming away with a victory here. Now, they'll have the upset on their mind, but they're still over two touchdown underdogs. And that really shows you the confidence that the Vegas has in Alabama. And, and if Ole Miss can get within that, you think that that's probably a pretty good outfit considering they are half a team rather than being a full defense with complementary offense yep agreed all right let's move on number 19 oklahoma state host number 21 baylor this one is all you my friend have at it look we've got a couple of teams that have not been ranked all year and then both find themselves jumping into the rankings right in time for this matchup so this should be a fun one, uh, being played in Stillwater. Uh, I think there's probably a bit of surprise that both of these teams are undefeated. Uh, one On one side, it's Baylor in that I don't think many expected them to get to week five without a loss. Oklahoma side, a state side, uh, you certainly at the start of the year could foresee that they wouldn't be here, but it's having watched the games that you're like, fuck, how are they still undefeated? This is crazy. The team has been all over the shop and... They've been lucky to escape on a number of occasions. So that sort of intrigue makes this one really interesting. Uh, Baylor is a program that has turned around quite quickly. Uh, they, they lost Matt Rule to the NFL. Dave Aranda came in, has uh, very, very few guys with any experience of the team that he inherited. Last year, they took their lickings. But now, this year, they're looking really, really promising. And, and they knocked off, uh, fresh off, 
the victory over Iowa State, who are considered to be a contender in the Big 12. They're going to be full of confidence going into Stillwater. Oklahoma State, on the other hand, a bit banged up. And the concern that I have uh, following the program is you see these constant injuries trickling through, and, and there's a threshold that you can kind of cover with some of this stuff. But it, it, it's just been every week a guy's out for the year, another guy's out for eight weeks, another guy's out for the year. And there's only so much you can have before you've just got so much inexperience and dudes playing before they're ready that it's really going to impact the product on the field. So they lost uh, Brock Martin on the defensive line again last week after already losing a couple of receivers uh, where they were already thin. There's certainly concerns there for that Cowboys outfit around just who who they've got left to kid up uh, and how they're how they're going to be able to move forward with that so look I'm excited for this one I think it could be uh, a bit of fun to see how these two programs shape up with each other Oklahoma State are much more of a defensive unit than an offensive juggernaut uh, that they were previously so it's if Spencer Sanders can play well and, and not do some of the dumb stuff that we see him do. I think the fact that it's at home should see the Cowboys get it done there. But I'm certainly not ruling off a Baylor team that has been very pesky on the year, is proving to be well-coached, and will be upset-minded in this one. All right. Yeah, I don't really have a thought either way here. I think Baylor to be ranked um, coming from where they're coming from is is a pretty good spot. I think... The thing that concerns me is both of these teams have got big question marks and some of the trends you see around Oklahoma State and their inability on offense has to be a concern. Um, and then yeah, and then you compound that with injury troubles as well and that's not a great look. What are your thoughts here? Obviously, you go in favor. It's not red hot or by any means, but are you going to win this? Are you confident in it or not so much? Well, I am confident. So Baylor's strength is their ability to run the ball. They currently lead the Big 12 uh, in that area. And I think Oklahoma State does a good job up front. They, they have not let many running backs get off the hook. Uh, last week, it was the uh, Kansas State running back, whose name escapes me. Who, Why do Juice I want to Vaughan? Say Juice Vaughan, the midget. Yeah. who's been fantastic on the year and I think he totaled 30 yards on 20 odd carries last week like it was just completely nullified so that is is giving me confidence in this Cowboys outfit uh, that they're able to do it also last year when these two teams match up so we're only 12 months removed it was a comfortable victory for Oklahoma State so I think it was 42 to 3 um, and exactly. yes you know it's a different team but we're not all that far removed from that one Okay, that takes us through the four fully ranked matchups of the week. That doesn't mean there aren't fantastic games elsewhere around the country. So whilst we'll try to speed it up, I don't know that that's going to be possible because we've got a lot of takes on a lot of different games here. So let's jump in and we're going to go chronologically through the weekend. So Friday morning here, so a Thursday night game, Miami and Virginia. So the Cavs come down to Hard Rock and take on the Hurricanes. Both teams have been a little bit up and down at this stage. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know anymore. I don't know. I don't know what I think. I don't know what I feel anymore about this Miami team. Derek King's going to be out of the game. Um, so Jake Garcia and Tyler Van Dyke are going to split snaps. And you've got you know a couple of diff. They're two slightly different quarterbacks. Um, one very gunslinger 
Fish. I know you how much you like Jay Cutler. If that's your guy, then Jake Garcia might be a quarterback for you. Um, so you'll be able to check him out. Uh, in terms of Virginia, Brennan Armstrong has been fantastic this year. He is putting up numbers offensively, and he has to because Virginia's defense is really, really bad. They're giving up over 200 yards rushing a game. Uh, you know, even against the pass, they're really, really struggling to manage that as well, which bodes well for Virginia, if you ask me, because I think Brennan Armstrong will score points. The leading rusher for uh, um, I said Cleveland, Virginia is um, Talapapau, or have you say his name? Um, and he's got 81 yards on the year. He's their leading rusher at this at this stage, and he's not going well. 81 yards is nothing, um, but watch him get off the chain in this one because Miami's defense can't stop a nosebleed at the moment. So he'll probably go for heaps. And Virginia, while their running defense is is really really bad. Watch Miami struggle to get 80 yards of rushing game. A fun fact for you before I sign off out of this one. Miami are last in the nation in missed tackles, and it's not close. They've actually they're 130th in the country. They have doubled a number 129. Oh. Currently, they own six of the top eight missed tacklers in the ACC. Uh, it is an absolute debacle. That I don't know what the fuck they're teaching them. Um, get to the ball carrier and maybe, maybe stick your arms around them and just fall down. I don't know. Does somebody fucking do something there on the defensive side? So you're going to see this Virginia offense, which has a lot of eye candy. They're going to run a lot of fly jet sweep stuff um, and, and a lot of different motions in the backfield. And you're going to do that against a team that gets out of position and knowingly runs themselves out of position and de deliberately runs themselves out of position and can't generate a pass rush. So look for Virginia to put up bulk points in this one. I, I don't feel great about the Canes. Yeah, look, that's a stat to get a coach fired. That is not pretty. Uh, you've, you've got to be concerned when you see that sort of stuff, that it's just so out of whack with everyone else in the country. Uh, if we go this long... And when your head coach of, is also the defensive coordinator. Yeah, if, if we go this long on all the that's unranked matchups, this is going to be running to midnight. Mate, you know you're going to get a little bit of love for <laughs> the... the uh, the fan teams. Anyway, Saturday. Let's get into it. Early. Uh, sorry, check that. This is Saturday's games. Number five, Iowa at Maryland. I actually like this game. I think this one's going to be interesting. And I've got Iowa here on upset alert. You've got Maryland, which is an incredibly explosive offense. Iowa clearly have the better defense. And these teams have got a common opponent this year in Kent State. Iowa won 30-7. Maryland won 37-16. Take from that what you will. But clearly these teams are relatively closely matched. I think Maryland's defense has actually been okay, conceding only 24 points to West Virginia. That's the most they've given up this year. So I think you've got Iowa, who have got Penn State coming to town next week. Four and a half point favorites in this one. I think Tulua Tungavailoa is going to make enough plays in the running game uh, to support what he'll be able to do through the air. And I think Maryland, potentially, they've got a shot at this one. I'm picking the upset here. I also could see a world in which cornerbacks Riley Moss and Matt Hankins just totally delete any wide receiver for Maryland and they don't score. But I'm going to take Maryland. 
Yeah, okay, I'm with Iowa uh, on this one. I think their defense has been fantastic across the year. Uh, they've given, they haven't given up more than 17 points in a game. I expect that trend to continue. I think it's going to be a bit of a slugfest, as you talked about earlier, Big Ten defensive slugfest. I think that's on the cards in this one, but I'm taking Iowa to win by touchdown. Ooh, give me Maryland. Uh, last one, not going to kind of dwell on this one, but BYU head to Utah State. Only if you've got the afternoon off, there should be heaps of points in that. If you're after, if you don't want the defensive slugfest early in the day, you've got an entertaining afternoon game which should have lots of points. Let's get to Sunday. Let's get up early. You've got the one thirty game between Arkansas and Georgia. You've also got Michigan at Wisconsin. And I'm going to bet on this game later, so I'm going to have a bit of a chat about this. Wisconsin, one-point favorites, which clearly means that Vegas thinks Michigan are the better team uh, because you normally get three points at home. So to call Wisconsin one-point favorites indicates that Michigan are probably the better team in this one. You wouldn't have thought that earlier in the year. Wisconsin certainly are more battle-proven. They've had Penn State and Notre Dame, whereas Michigan's best win... Maybe 2013 win over Rutgers or the Washington one. Uh, either way, Michigan has played teams with poor quarterback play. And lucky for them, they're going to do the same thing again this weekend. Graham Mertz has a chance to be locked out of the club of mediocrity this week. Or he could just be fully entrenched. We'll have to see. But I think Wisconsin need to get the run game going. Get the ball out of Graham Mertz's hand. Get it into Chaz Malusi. Get him pushing the ball against this defensive front um, and and see how you go. On the flip side of that, Michigan can't run the ball. They're going to really, really, really struggle. Um, they're going to want to run the ball, but Wisconsin are only giving up 25 yards a game on the ground. So this one appears to be like it could be a, a huge slugfest. We talked about Big Ten slugfest. This is going to be one because both teams are hopefully going to look to run the ball. I say hopefully because if Wisconsin don't, they're going to lose the game badly. Uh, and I think you see the freshness of the Wolverines and the fact that I probably trust their quarterback a fraction more and their defense just enough that they get out of with the win. I think the cleaner team wins. That's okay. probably what it comes down to. Whoever doesn't turn the ball over, whoever doesn't give up penalties probably wins this one. Okay. Well, I mean, this is strength on strength. So the... Wisconsin defense, we know, has been fantastic against the run. The Michigan offense, it's all been through the run. It's all been that work that they've done to generate everything. You talk about um, faith in the quarterback. I don't know where that's coming from because we haven't really seen anything uh, or any play there on the, the Michigan side. More faith. More faith in the – sorry, sorry, I need to put that in context. More faith in the Michigan quarterback than the Wisconsin quarterback. That's all I'm saying. Okay, okay so that's not a lot of faith then. So, And, and that's fine. But for me, like, there's, <laughs> there's, a lot of, there's a lot of history uh, that Michigan are coming up up against here so if we look at what they've done they have not won at wisconsin since 2001 20 years i'm not saying that that means anything but it's been 20 years since the they've year. been able to do it michigan when they, they are, don't hit them they don't hit them every year though they, do not. they don't hit them every year they do not when they're an underdog going back to, to, to 2015 so jim harbaugh era how do you how do you think michigan have fared as an underdog i could tell you how they fared not well, probably. They are zero and twelve in in that, which is which is awful, Whoa. awful numbers. That that has me really concerned for them. I, I think we are kind of against I the wanted, spread or just outright straight straight up. 
as an underdog they never won. <laughs> so oh, for me this 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 Michigan team I wanted to believe. I wanted to believe in that Rutgers game. I wanted to see them have turned the corner and then I turned it off and something obviously happened and I, I lost that faith. That faith I got in that first quarter there where I'm like, actually these guys are pretty good. Most of that was through the running game. That is not it's going to be difficult to replicate that against this Wisconsin team. So give me the Badgers at home every day of the week in this one. Ooh. Yeah, I don't hate that. I mean, like, and a lot of people have said, well, what was it looking like at the start of the year? And I know it's the start of the year before games have been played, but Wisconsin probably go into this game, what, 10-point favourites at the start of the year? It'd be interesting to see what the opening lines were for this game. But... Um, yeah, I, I can see that as well. So maybe I'm going to steer out of this game a fraction. No, I'm going to take Michigan. Uh, Tennessee at Missouri. Uh, this is a good one to see where both of these programs are heading. I think Tennessee have had some good moments this year and Missouri have been good in spots as well, particularly on offense. Your boy, your boy, um, Connor Bazelak is going to be in this one doing some good things. Um, and I think I trust the Tigers more here. I, I don't know what your take is here. And, and I think it potentially, you're probably not going to get a lot of uh, viewership in this one because there's so much else going on. But it is an interesting one to see how Eli Drinkwitz is is going at Missouri. And then if the Josh Heupel era at Tennessee can continue to grow. Yeah, there have, certainly have been sparks from this Tennessee team. So it will be interesting to see if they can produce something. I just... I still don't have any faith in them. I, I like Missouri at home in this one to win quite comfortably. I think Missouri have been good without being great. They've had a couple of tough matchups. That Kentucky one uh, followed up with the Boston College one. Not easy games. And, and I think they've been competing well in those. And they get to go back home. I feel really good about them in this one. And, and I think they'll win uh, and win well. All right, let's blitz through these last ones, mostly. Uh, Pitt at Georgia Tech. Uh, just mentioning this one, really, to track this ACC as things get weird this week. Duke at North Carolina, C above. Uh, Louisville at Wake Forest, also C above. Uh, Minnesota at Purdue. Minnesota coming off their loss. Purdue looking to go 4-1 and one and 2-0 and oh in the Big Ten. There, I know I was on that side in terms of being in the Big Ten West, but Purdue... You give yourself a shot here, and why not? You know, Go your hardest. No, probably not. Not this year. But, you know, maybe. If I would go off a cliff, you never know. Texas at TCU. TCU, I say surprisingly, Texas have got a problem with TCU because the Horn Frogs have won six of the last seven in this matchup. You're the Big 12 guy. What do you reckon happens? Uh, I think Gary Patterson's a good coach. Uh, and that's my default. Oh, answer. here we go. Everything <laughs> TCU is just kind yeah, of, exactly. Oh, the four two five is really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, precisely. And, and is it? I mean, it's yeah, a different great. Texas program. Sark is the head man there, so I think you could probably throw that six or, six or seven out the window uh, a fraction. Uh, Texas are really humming at the moment, and they're looking like, to be honest, the best team in the Big Twelve from what we've seen post that Arkansas matchup. So TCU licking their wounds after a disappointing home loss against SMU. They've got to bounce back and they've got to show something this week. I think this is a fascinating matchup, but for me, Texas are, are running hot and, and should win this with more talent. Go with the hot hand. Uh yeah, I mean, heck. If 
if you're the best in the Big 12, you're just not the best in the SEC. Memphis are at Temple to keep the American interested there. At 5 a.m., Oregon at Stanford. Tanner McKee's looked pretty good in this so far this year for at the quarterback position for Stanford. Um, I like him a lot. I don't think Oregon let this one slide, though, this year. I think their run game will be too good um, with Vidal and Dye there in that running back position. And I, I just think they're better than... Now, again, this is another team like the Texas TCU game. Oregon have problems with Stanford for some reason, particularly on the road. Uh, and, you know, this game is certainly not a gimme for the Ducks, but they're the more talented team at this stage. And it feels like, not that I believe in the whole like year of destiny thing, but like of all the years, Oregon can't let this one drop. They cannot have a, not a bad loss, but certainly a loss in this kind of fashion against a Stanford team that has been up and down. You know, I, I just, I think the Ducks are the better team. Can they, can they fight off any kind of challenge that Stanford are going to bring, which they will, and can they survive and ride this one out? I think they can. Like my concern with the Stanford side of it is that I just don't think it's a very daunting place to play. Like having been there with you, it, it's not uh, uh, an atmosphere that's really all that intimidating for uh, programs to go into. Now, history might suggest otherwise. And and as you mentioned, Oregon have struggled against this Stanford outfit. They've been inconsistent this year. They've had some really good showings and they've had some pretty piss poor ones. So I'd, I, I, it's tough to predict what's happening there. As you mentioned, Oregon are the more talented team. I'm hoping for the Pac-12 sake that they can keep this thing running. But would I be absolutely shocked to see Stanford uh, come out and win this one? Fuck no. It's the Pac-12. It's it's the sort of stuff that they do. Yeah, gross. And looking at the numbers, and I know you need to be careful about looking at the numbers solely. Um, these teams aren't actually as um, far matched as what you would expect from a number three team in the country versus an unranked team um so some of the numbers actually yeah not that far off but i think oregon will be able to run the ball better and i think that'll be the difference in this particular game and you need to be able to when you go on the road you need to be able to run the ball if oregon can do that they win oklahoma at k-state oklahoma have been scratchy this whole year is this the week they get got well uh K-State has Oklahoma's number. The, like, the question really should be, can Oklahoma somehow climb Yeah, they're on a win streak. Uh, so so K-State's <laughs> won the last two in this matchup. Uh, it's, it's a road game for OU. They haven't shown a lot. Absolutely, I'd be nervous if I'm an Oklahoma fan. Um, I wouldn't be booing my five-star quarterback, but I'd be nervous about going into this one. Ten, ten and a half point favorites feels kind of... Feels like a lot. So I, I like Kansas State in this one. Ohio State at Rutgers. Uh, part of me wants to take Rutgers in this. I think Rutgers are going to play teams close because that's what good coaches do for less talented teams. They muddy things up a little bit. Um, and Greg Shiano is going to do that for Rutgers. They, they pushed Michigan tight last week. Very rarely, though, do you see an out-talented team push teams consecutively if that makes sense like it would be rare to see them keep within a you know to stay within a touchdown of michigan and then to go and do it again the following week against ohio state however they are back at home which is beneficial uh and ohio state haven't again exactly been setting the world on fire 
Um, and CJ Stroud has had his struggles, but I feel like he's kind of working to a point a little similar to um, Spencer Rattler was early last year without the turnovers. And that is he's finding some of the reads a little bit difficult. He's, you know, getting... He, he's, he's staring down his receivers a fraction. Um, and, and I just think that that is going to be problematic for him. However, you've got a freshman, a five-star guy, Travion Henderson in the backfield, who is really starting to into his own as well. Um, I just think the talent there for Ohio State is going to be too, too good. And as much as Noah Vedral, who I really like at the quarterback position for Rutgers, will do his darndest, do his best to keep them in this one. I just don't think they've got the talent on the defensive side, particularly up front, to hang with Travion Henderson and this Ohio State offensive line. Yeah, okay. I, look, I I really am optimistic for our Rutgers in this matchup. I, I think they played really well last week. I still don't have a good gauge on this Ohio State team. I think they're a team we're all buying yeah, into fair. that preseason hype. And, and what we've seen on the field doesn't match that hype so for me I, I really like Rutgers chance in this one yes Ohio State had a comprehensive victory against a second rate team last week does that mean they've turned the corner I I don't think so I think we've got to see more maybe we see it this week but there's every chance that we don't and this one turns out to be a close one so I'm I'm really bullish on uh, Rutgers efforts uh, or opportunity here to provide a massive upset we are nowhere near each other this week. So it'll be interesting to see how this uh, betting comes out because I'm taking Ohio State pretty comfortably in this one. Not sure that they cover, but I mean, they're only, what, 15-point favorites in this one, roughly 15 and a half maybe. 15 and a half, yep. Yeah, I think they do this pretty comfortably. Syracuse at Florida State, nothing really to report here other than the fact that Florida State could go 0-5. Texas Tech at West Virginia as well at the 5 a.m. time slot. At 8 o'clock, Washington State at Cow, Florida at Kentucky. Now, I'm brushing this off here a fraction, but Kentucky can score enough points. They've done that more this year with Will Levis at the Reigns Um playing quarterback there rather than the old school hand the ball off a million times to um, a running back but they may be able to hang with Florida at least for a while I don't think this Kentucky team is that bad they're sort of being ignored a fraction this year um, because they haven't got the results early but uh, ignore them at your own peril I guess uh, well, but what do you mean by not get the results I mean they're 4-0 they're, they're running hot at the moment and, and they're looking alright in doing it and that's why I think they're only 8.5 point uh, underdogs. Yes, they're at home, but they're playing a Florida team that's ranked 10 in the country and ran it really tight with the consensus number one program. So I, I think that's probably a, a good sign for them and where they're at. Eight and a half points is, is not a huge uh, swing in this. And I think they're playing good football. Florida, I've been impressed with so far. They've, they've outperformed where I expected them to be. So for them to uh, to come in here uh, and potentially be on upset alert wouldn't shock me. So the, this Kentucky program probably deserves a bit more respect, as, as you talked about. They're, they're not talking about uh, at all outside of those deep in the SEC. So I think this could be one where they pull off an absolute shocker for, for a lot of people in the national scale uh, at home and, and get the chocolates. Really? Yeah, I mean, I I just, I don't know, like a 16-10 win over South Carolina. 
Uh, by results, I mean something to give us more belief in you as a football team. Yes, they got Missouri early in the year by a touchdown, but you played Chattanooga and um, Louisiana Monroe. You're not exactly... But that's what I mean by results. I think you want to see them really turn things on here or earlier in the year to have real confidence. And I guess that's not what Kentucky do. Like, you, they've got to earn the respect of the year. They don't get it just innately, I suppose. All right, let's continue on. Mississippi State at Texas A&M. The Aggies need to bounce back desperately. Um, and they don't get that easier go of it either. This Mississippi State defense is pretty good. I think the Bulldogs can learn a lot from Arkansas last week. And I think in terms of a defensive structure, maybe the book is out on how to kind of undo this Texas A&M offense. If they can do that, the defense is good enough to, to get pressure with that defensive line. Um, that's never really an issue at Mississippi State. They've got the guys on the back end. And you know that quarterback position is, you know, mediocre really um, with Calzada there at the range so the, the big issue for me is Mississippi State can't start and they need to get if they get some scoreboard pressure on the road at College Station I think if they can get a 10-0 lead a 14-0 lead Texas A&M I don't know that they've got the bullets to fire to be able to work their way back into that game so I could see Mississippi State with an upset here as well yeah, well, I'm not perhaps predicting the upset here, but I think it's certainly going to be a close one. I'd, I'd come inside that eight and a half points there. I think the fact it's back in College Station, Texas A&M get to get back home against an up and down Mississippi State team has me believing that they'll win. But I certainly think it, it is going to be tight uh, and that Mississippi State are, are in with a puncher's chance in this for sure. Kansas at Iowa State, Indiana at Penn State, BC at Clemson, Northwestern at Nebraska, all those games at 9.30 here Central Time. Any thoughts on any of those? Look, any other given week, we'd probably go in a bit deeper on those ones because there is some <laughs> some good games, but we've kind of been dragging on for a little bit, so we might need to skip through it. But that BC-Clemson one, man, imagine, mm -hmm. imagine if the Eagles could get that done there. If that was at home, if that was Chestnut Hill, I would... I'd like the look of that. I think that's a bit juicier. Uh, Fourteen-point favorites there, Clemson. Ooh, I think there's potential. Like, if you're a better and you'd be like, and and then it comes a Saturday and B and BC cover that, you'd be kicking yourself. You'd just be like, well, Clemson haven't proved anything. But anyway, let us move on. Uh, a little bit later in the day here. These are all the games after kind of eleven o'clock in the morning. Number twenty-two, Auburn at LSU. Again, this game would normally gain far more traction, but it is a late start and it's just, you know, caught in the shadows of everything else going on around the country today. But quarterback controversy in Auburn, TJ Finley, Bo Nix, who's getting the start? It'll be interesting to see. Do they split time in this one? LSU settling in, particularly on the offensive side of the year. Their offense has been quite methodical, I guess. Uh, when we think of LSU offense, I think, you know, revisionist history sort of suggests that we think of Joe Brady and the ex incredibly explosive offense that he had with Joe Burrow and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Chase, uh, Jamar Chase and Terrence Marshall and all those boys. Um, but it's a little bit different this year. A little bit more kind of easy as you go, working the way, working away, chipping away at teams both through the air and on the ground. And I say that, but Max Johnson's already over 1,100 yards and has 15 TDs on the year. 
He's looking, starting to look really, really comfortable. The issue I probably have with LSU at the moment is the defense hasn't been as good as we expect. 25 points, 21 points, 38 points against FBS programs, nearly 350 yards a game. Probably not where we expected this defense to be. Whilst those numbers aren't crazy, they're also not that good. And for a team that we believe um, with Eli Ricks and Derek Stingley has the best back end in the country, you would expect them to be... Um, holding up better on the defensive side of the ball. We know Auburn are going to be stout against the run. They're going to look to make LSU pass the ball, you would think. What do you reckon happens in this one, Will? Look, I think that Auburn got found out a little bit last week, and there's a couple of ways you can, can go after such a result, right? You can go back in your shell a little bit and, and lose some of that swagger and confidence that you've got and then get beaten off the park. Or you can kind of have it as a bit of a wake-up call and go, shit, that, we were lucky there. Let, let's turn it around. So I'm intrigued to see what Auburn team we get out of that one. I'm, I'm really not sure. LSU, on the other hand, I think they're, they're building. They are growing. I think Stingley coming back into this lineup is a massive piece. So he obviously didn't play last week, but when he mm-hmm. becomes back available, he's a top five player in all the country. And we're talking like tens of thousands of kids here. He is that good. So I think that he can have a massive impact for these guys. As you mentioned, Max Johnson is putting together a really good year. Offensively, Mm. they are doing things. And I think we're going to see that continue. Uh, I like LSU in this one. Uh, At home, uh, I think the the line's not nearly big enough. uh, And I'm, I'm all in on the Tigers in this one. Like it. I like it. Which, which Tigers? Uh, the Bayou. <laughs> okay. Washington at Oregon State, Arizona State, and, L- and UCLA. I like how we're just blitzing over these games, and I feel like we're not giving the Pac-12 credit there, but they're two quality, quality games there late in the day. Um, give me UCLA. Give me Oregon State. You know who that's I'm going to be getting around in these ones. Yeah, I mean, that, that's your programs. I like the <laughs> the Beavs jumpy you're rocking at the moment, mate. It's looking yeah. good. Yeah, get around have the Beavs. Have you taken um, that off since uh, Sunday afternoon? Not at all, no. Uh, I think Washington probably would like a good outing. Um, They have been really disappointing this year, particularly on the offensive side of the ball with Dylan Morris um, and what's going on there at the quarterback position. Um, But Oregon State called a really good game last week against LSU, uh, not LSU, against USC. So they're going to be well prepared. Again, you would think coming home to Corvallis. And then Arizona-UCLA, that game was gearing up to be the big one. Um, in the Pac-12 South, um, but both of those teams carrying a loss at this point. So um, that will that may sort that out in conference. Holy heck, that is all the games. Have I missed any? Have we missed any? Uh, look, there are a few others in there. I think there's Boise State, Nevada, which is gonna, uh, a cracking game in its own right. But look, let, let's continue on. Let's get to the fun stuff now, mate. All right, uh, make sure you catch some ball this weekend because it's going to be cracking. I mean, that, this is how many games there are. I've run out of my Burnley Brewing here, so um, I'm a little bit parched at the moment. Let's get to our championship draft. Take it, take us through it, Will. I don't even know who's picking anymore. Let me just bring this one up here. Um, Mate, come on. Get your well, shit together. If you get me a playing different... If you get me a playing track, then I've got enough time to do this sort of stuff. But this is the one segment that I feel is really missing. Like, it's, it's a draft too. Get me like, uh, what's his name? Goodell. Give, give yeah. me the, the ticker there or whatever it is. There's so many options and, and you kind of let me down a bit, but that's all right. Okay. I, I power okay. on 
and I do what I need to do. The Championship Draft, fantastic little segment that we've got here. Uh, quick recap of where we're at and what we're doing. We've both got uh, a stable of teams that we, we pick up across the year that we have to purchase uh, from our allocated budget. There it is. Look at that. You, you're getting good at this, man. Um, so uh, we've, been, we've been going along. Uh, last week, you grabbed UCLA to your uh, stable to go along with UCF, TCU, Utah, Arizona State, and Alabama. So a lot of trash in that middle there. Uh, <laughs> Alabama is still looking like the best team in the country. And UCLA have done good for you. Bought them for two bucks. Uh, they're now six bucks. So you made a, a, a $4 profit in that one week. Well done. Uh, kudos to you. Me, on the other Wait, hand... Do I have Arizona State as well? Do I have Arizona State? Yes, yeah, yeah, you do. You do. So do and I just keep both of them? <laughs> I don't know what to do. Well, Arizona State's not worth any money, so... Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're not selling them. Um, yeah. On my side, I brought in UNC last week. Bad move, because they got blasted <laughs> by Georgia Tech. So, I, And I paid yeah. five bucks for the privilege of that there, so... <laughs> That hurt, but uh, thankfully my Oklahoma State Cowboys had a, a big leap up in, and, and now we're seven bucks. Uh, they got a dicey proposition now because they're playing a, a ranked team, so I've, I've got a decision to make around what I do there. But essentially, I've got Oklahoma State and Oklahoma who continually lose me money, uh, <laughs> who are making me cash. Then I've got LSU, Liberty uh, as well, who... Uh, are not, and, and I've sold my Coastal Carolina. So this week, you're up. Uh, first, would, would you like to sell a program? Would you like to sell UCLA, or what are you thinking? Who else have I got that's worth money? I'm so Alabama. not. I'm, I'm a visual dude. Uh, I've got Alabama and UCLA, the only one in the votes at the moment. Correct. Uh, the only one in. Yeah, nah, I'll, I'll hold on to them. I'm going to go with a team that I think could win the Big 12 because I think it's a bit of a mess at the moment, and they are the next team Oof. in, and I am going to go with Texas. Yeah, look, that's a good pick. Uh, I think it's probably unfair, a bit of a mess. Like, they've got a number of good undefeated teams. Texas is not one of them, but they are looking good. Uh, far and away a different picture than that of the ACC, but uh, let's not get into that. Uh, Texas is a good pick. I like it. Uh, I'm going to take the team that will win the ACC. Uh, they, they're going to cost forest. me... They're going to cost me... No, not $2. <laughs> they will cost me $1. I'm going to grab Clemson. If you told oh, me at the start nah. of the year, <laughs> in week five, I could grab Clemson for a dollar, I would have called you a fucking liar. Cle- Clemson are going to drop more games. I am so not in on Clemson. Look, and that's probably fair, but they they have talent. Uh, they've, they've, oh, yeah, shown, they've shown what they've been able to do. So I'm going to buy them for a buck. Uh, it's only going to cost me a dollar. Uh, that, so that's going to... Take my bank value down to five. Uh, you've bought Texas for nothing. And yeah. we'll, um, we'll see how we go I'll with continue, that. I'll continue to keep losing. I'm just hoping all these teams by the end of the year just sneak up and earn me like $4, $3, $7. And I feel like that, along with Alabama winning the national championship, will get me the win in this year's championship draft. Okay, yes. let us move on. Vault Studios. <laughs> Yeah, this is the kiss of death. So here we go because I don't like most of these. I've gone Texas minus four and a half against TCU. I'm going back to the well. Wisconsin against Michigan. You gave us all the numbers before. I can appreciate that one. I'm okay with that. JA's gone Ohio State minus 15. Ooh, I'd be nervous about that one. I don't actually hate it, but 
don't know. I, Arkans- that's like a big reason why I predicted Rutgers as the upset is because <laughs> J.A. has picked a high state one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Arkansas plus 18 and a half, which means Georgia going to win by 40 points probably. Uh, yeah, I don't like that pick at all. Iowa minus three and a half. I've already said that I like Maryland in that one. And Lewis has gone Cincinnati minus two and a half. They've gone the big matchups of the week, which I like. Get after it. Uh, but uh, I, yeah, I, I could see Notre Dame winning that as well. So I don't like if they're your sure things. I think we're in trouble. Uh, I believe I've got a real chance here to really stretch my lead and and get us get myself in a good position to to win this one. I like yeah. the the Iowa pick. I'm just. I'm not happy with the Cincinnati one. With the way that this kiss of death is playing out, <laughs> I want the Bearcats to win this. I want them to continue. And They're losing. Lewis, you, you're, you're fucking me here. <laughs> Definitely. All right, let's move on. We need to get to on the punt. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Money, 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 money. <laughs> Alrighty, here we go. Uh, another week, and for the first time this year, I'm I'm having to straighten the ship. So so we've been cruising, we've been travelling really well, we've been lining our pockets, we've been living like kings, and then last week things let up a little bit for me, but that's fine. I I, I can turn this around. I'm, I feel good about this week's picks. I'm not going to dwell on it because that does none of us any good. So I'm going to jump into this week's picks. We're not straying away from the Super Yankee because it is proven that it is a solid way of going about this. So here we go. Five picks. Feeling good about it. Uh, App State playing against Georgia State. So Georgia State, uh, all of a sudden getting a bit of love because they ran it close with an Auburn team. I'm not yeah. putting any fucking faith in that. App State and are a much better football team. Good, yeah. So, so yes, they're on the road, uh, but, and it is 10 points, but App State are much better. I could, I could see a world where App State win this comfortably, more than three touchdowns. So all in on App State here. Mm-hmm. The next one, I'm taking Kansas State. They're making it three in a row. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm taking the plus 10 and a half. Give me the points there. <laughs> At home, 10 and a half. Oklahoma haven't shown it for us. Like any bet on Oklahoma to cover that is purely speculative at this point in what we've seen this year. So I'm going to take uh, Kansas State. There's enough there in that corner for me to have confidence in, in picking them here. Uh, West Virginia, minus seven against a Tyler Shockless Texas Tech. Uh, they're at home. It's only seven points. Yes, scoring points is not really what West Virginia does. But <laughs> I, think, I, I think that... You know, they can score 14. Texas Tech might not score. We've got really good defense, uh, and Texas Tech are, are running in a backup. So give me West Virginia minus seven points there. Uh, I'm, I'm jumping on UCF as a big road uh, favorite. So 16 and a half uh, point favorites at Navy. Navy aren't very good. No, Navy not good. I'd actually quite like that pick. Uh, so, it's just going to be whether you get enough possessions. That's always the issue. You can't turn the ball over because not only do you lose the ball, you lose seven minutes. You lose, yeah, time. correct. You lose half a quarter. Yeah, <laughs> so that is the risk, absolutely. But uh, I got faith in in was it um, Dylan Gabriel? Dylan Gabriel, yeah, uh, and the job that he's doing there. So give me UCF minus sixteen and a half, uh, and then. I, I spoke about it with conviction and I'm backing up LSU minus three and a half over Auburn at home. They're going to do it. They'll win uh, quite comfortably more than a touchdown. So give me the, give me the Tigers minus three and a half there. 
All right, I've got a few picks for you this week as well. I've got six more. Now, I think there's less value this week. As we get into conference play, it is harder to find the value. And this is where Will goes off a cliff. Historically, you've always done well out of conference and in the first four weeks. This is where we're going to find out who really um, is making the most and who's who's the better picker here, I guess, because this is when things get tight. Now, I'm taking Texas. Minus four and a half at TCU. Give me a break. That is, they're going to cover that. However, I'm also taking the under 68 points. Texas put a whipping on Texas Tech last week. We know how good that TCU 425 defense is. Uh, but I think this one's going to be a little bit low, more low scoring than that. Give me Oregon minus seven at Stanford. Apparently, I'm picking all teams are going on the road this week, which is dangerous. Florida minus 10 at Kentucky. I just don't think Kentucky going to score that much. I think Florida's defense is too good. So give me Florida minus 10. Michigan, I am going to give the points against Wisconsin. So I'm taking Michigan and plus one, but I might as well just take them outright. Uh, either way, it doesn't matter. It's the same thing. Uh, and then I'm going to give the points with BC as well. So give me that plus 15 at Clemson for Boston College. Uh, I've, yeah, there's some pretty big games there, which I don't normally like picking those games. I like when you dabble in the UCF Navy and the App State, Georgia State. I think that's where the money is normally. So, um, But these ones, I feel like I'm a little bit more confident. Sorry, I missed that. Where was that Texas line at? I had it at four and a half. Okay. No, that's all right. Which sounds just way short to me. Yeah, I think that's obviously the history playing into it, that six or seven. Uh, often you'll see that sort of stuff kind of follow over into these numbers. Yeah. Here. You're right from what we've seen on the field. Like SMU just, just beat this Texas Christian team. So yeah. I, I, I don't hate those. Uh, obviously, I'm against uh, quite a number of them. Texas one, not a bad pick. Uh, Oregon, I quite like. Florida, I'm, I'm not big on. Um, yeah. and, and nor am I the Michigan one. BC, I'm just hopeful that that comes in. So, yeah. we'll see how we go, Matt. All right. And lastly, please do, Pat Benatar. Uh, not a lot to choose from this week. So, where are you going? Not heaps. Uh, I'm, I'm backing in Rutgers. Uh, oh, as, mate. As, as, you've killed me. We should have talked about this beforehand. You, you, maybe this is it. Maybe if we're both on it, <laughs> then it'll happen and we can jointly celebrate. Yeah. I mean, sounds, maybe. Sounds lame, but... Whatever. Yeah. I mean, the Knights will be prepped and ready to go. Like, this is their shot for the year, as it kind of always is. Like, you know, you get these big matchups and, and this is who you want to chase. But I don't, I don't know where the other ones are. There's there's just not that many. As we get into conference play, you generally see these, the, the matchups become far more even. Um, so, yeah, a bit of a tough one this week. What was the other one that I did have a look at? And I was like, oh, Boston College Clemson. But do I really think BC are going to like double down on Clemson losses? Hell no, probably <laughs> not. All right, that is a the end of a massive, massive show. Um, week five preview in the books. An awesome week to get excited about all your college football needs. Uh Again, I'll mention this one more time at CFB down under Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Make sure you do hit us up there on behalf of that guy over there. Thank you very much for joining us in this week five preview. My name's Aaron. That is Will. And we will see you next time. Bye.